Hey, Trojan fans, this is Ryan Abraham, USCFootball.com publisher. We are doing a very brand new podcast called Armchair Quarterbacks. We're going to talk to former USC quarterbacks about the USC offense. we got Shane Foley coming up a little bit later on the show and Sean Salisbury coming up right now. He played at USC in, uh, I believe, 82, 83, and 85, went on to a 10-year NFL career, has been a college football analyst and NFL analyst over the years. Sean Salisbury joining the show. What's going on, Sean? How are you doing? All right, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Luke. And a Grey Cup champion, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, 10 years of football, and a little stop in Winnipeg, and won the 1988 Grey Cup, which was a great thrill and a lot of fun. I got to call my own plays and was coached at that time by Mike Riley, so former SC coach, and you know, coached at SC and now at Oregon State. So I was blessed to be able to work with some pretty good people. That was fun. Nice. Well, uh, I, I got to come on your show. You're on uh, Yahoo Sports Radio, and you can follow Sean on uh, Twitter at Sean Unfiltered, is that correct? At Sean Unfiltered? Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. Sean Unfiltered, one word. Yep. And it's S E A N for those that, uh, that don't know. So. Cool. And then, um, are, what about your show on Yahoo Sports Radio? I know I've, I've been on with John Harris before, but I was lucky enough to come on with you this past week and, and talk to you guys. And we appreciate you being on. Uh, you do a great job. Well, it's 2 to 4 Eastern. It's a national show, uh, and obviously 11 to 1 Pacific. And if you can't find us there, you got the TuneIn app, or you can go get the app on your phone and follow us uh, at Sean. Uh, Sean, I'm thinking of Sean. Follow us at uh, YahooSports.com radio. YahooSportsRadio.com. I'm losing my mind. YahooSportsRadio.com uh, on the internet if you uh, are near a computer and can't get the show. Great. All right. Well, check them out there at, at Sean Unfiltered and, and definitely on the show. And uh, yeah, so when I, I got went on the show, we talked about. Lane Kiffin, we talked about this offense. Uh, it, there wasn't a lot of, this was after the Washington State game, not a lot of positive talk, I guess you would say. Uh, right. It certainly looked like they, they turned things around a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts on, on how the USC offense played from Washington State to uh, Boston College. Well, let's preface this by saying all the abuse the defense took last year, they're playing lights-out football. Well, what, a, what a tremendous upgrade, Clancy Pendergast and aggressive football. You know, Monty Dickinson has been a great coach in, in, in the NFL for a long time, and it just wasn't much of a fit last year, whether it's scheme or, you know, players reacting or what have you, but more um, better players. Bottom line is they're playing more aggressive. I always believe in an aggressive approach as your quarterback. As a quarterback, when people are hitting you in the mouth and sacks don't add up, but hits and throwing, give you timing off too. So great, great compliment to a, to a defensive football team that quite frankly has carried an offense uh, at the beginning of this season, even though the offense struggled now. Obviously, against Boston College, yes, they played better offensively. They played better. And they, the defense did a good job of shutting down Boston College's run and put them in difficult circumstances. But the most impressive thing was the aggressiveness, I think, on the offensive side. It, it, it matched the defensive aggressiveness, which I like. I mean, I, I think they're playing a little too close to the vest, and I never like two quarterbacks. I, I just don't. You know, when you, when you when you got two, you don't have one. Now, a good backup's one thing, but to me, the reason why that they didn't they didn't couldn't settle on one is as much as we want to hear out of the camp that both quarterbacks played great and we just couldn't decide let's bull. If both quarterbacks they'll settle on one, and they find and they did and they got him and he did a great job of attacking and going after it and laying Lane's play calling attack, which also makes the run game better. Which in turn, when the run game's better and you're attacking, now you got a chance to do some different things and deploy people in a different way, which is nice. So for me. The, the, the attacking uh, was far, far more important than anything else. And then the quarterback gets in a rhythm. Like they came out of the game, opening play of the game, you attack. You go after it and take the shots. And then it leads to other things. You can make big plays 
And what it does also, it's kind of the old Raider philosophy. If you come out and attack when when Stabler and LaMonica were there, is that you back people off. And then it opens up the win game. So for me, there's a more aggressive approach. You settle on one guy, stick him in there, and then if he doesn't perform well, then you can bring the back up in. But the quarterback feels better. He's not looking over his shoulder. Is this the, is this the save of all game? No, it was Boston College. That's good. Slice like we see a good football team or a decent football team, but it's just the beginning. But they must play more aggressive, and they did. The quarterback played well. He seemed a little more confident than Kessler. Now, look, you know, they come off a big win, hang some points on the board, and things are a little different now for them. But to me, aggressive football teams that don't play not to lose are far better than the team. I mean, are, are far better than a team that hangs back and just kind of waiting and milking around for the opportunity. It'll look like a better football team. Yeah, certainly, Sean. A lot of great points there. And I, I mean, I, I think the analogy I was using, just watching this defense play, a lot of the same players that you saw from last year that gave up over 60 points to Oregon just never seemed to be able to get stops, never got three and outs. You watch the team this year, USC would go down and score. The defense would get a three and out. I mean, it's a huge difference. I think it helps, you know, obviously, the defense, but it helps the offense as well where you're not watching – a long drive that maybe doesn't result in points, but it's still a long drive and, and the offense doesn't get the ball back for a while. And when they do, it's kind of deep in their own territory. Now the defense is turning it around quickly. And you talked about being aggressive. It seems like they're going from a more NFL scheme where they're kind of watching and seeing what was happening to a more college scheme with Clancy Pendergast where they're really going out and attacking. And you, you mentioned the aggressiveness on offense, but it seems like the same, you know, pretty much the same players. You're talking about an aggressive scheme now on defense. And they're playing a lot better. Yeah, and, and like I was saying earlier, you know, last year passive and keeping everything in front of you and being a little too cute. And these same guys, and, and they're, you know, do they all of a sudden become better players overnight or do they all of a sudden feel more comfortable in the scheme? See, I believe the believability in a play, a pass play, a defense, believability in a certain call is far more important than the call itself. And you, you could send me in all the great play calls you want. If the team doesn't feel good about it, it won't execute. But you can send me in a, a horrible call under the down and distance for a defense or offensive situation. And if 11 guys believe they're going to execute it, it, it'll work. That's just usually the way it, go, it does. And you can talk to any football player. I don't care if they're 18 year old freshman or sophomore in college or a 35 year old grown man in football. None of us like to play passive football. We just don't. You don't. You want to attack. You want to grab them around the throat. Now, here's a time and a place to be. Don't play scared. Just don't play stupid. But I like it, and it feeds. It's, it's contagious. You play soft on defense, you play soft on offense. You play soft, you play aggressive on defense. Then the offensive first thought and on special teams is we got to keep up. We can't let these guys down. Bam, and they're crisp, getting in and out. And, and I'm telling you, USC will score points this year because of the ability. They'll hit quarterbacks, ball lay on the ground, they'll pick it up and run in and score. But the non-aggressive, soft, rush for play everything underneath you. It doesn't work. We saw it the Cowboys, and I love Monty. I've known Monty. Heck, I used to go watch Lane play high school football with Monty when he was in Minnesota with us. But while their defense is going to be fine, they, 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 people are going to throw for a billion yards on them. <laughs> Unless you've got Warren, Warren Sapp or Derek Brooks or the rest of them, they will move the football. And when you do that, eventually somebody misses a tackle and it becomes a touchdown. I hate soft football. I hate non-aggressive football. So uh, I'm convinced that Clancy Pendergast, who's extremely – well-respected defensive coordinator in the at the college and NFL level, but he is making his players be accountable and get after it because you can do a lot of good things when you're going 100 miles an hour, even if you don't do the right thing. If you go 100 miles an hour and hit somebody in the opposite colored jersey, it's contagious to fans and everybody alike. And it looked to me like the offense decided they'd better keep up with the defense. Our team has a long way to go through the Trojans, 
at a lot of different positions, including the man who calls the plays and runs the show in Lane Kiffin. It's a start. It's a good beginning, but it's only going to get tougher as the season rolls along with the Pac-12 and teams they got to play. Because if, if I'm a, if you're playing SC right now, the philosophy would be to don't turn it over on defense. Make sure that defense doesn't take care of. I mean, offense. You don't turn it to our defense, and then. If, you, if you'll just be smart, that FC's not good enough to beat you lining up 75 plays, 75, you know, and going the length of the field on a regular basis. Although they proved that wrong against Boston College yesterday. Aggressiveness gets you wins. I believe that fully. Yeah, and you, you know, you talk about the, the play calling there, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that because, you know, a week ago, 54 yards passing between the two quarterbacks. And this week, yep. you know, Kessler was 15 of 17, 237 yards. Whittick came in to mop up. Two of two for 27 yards. You know, Kessler had a couple of touchdowns. Like you mentioned, they threw the ball deep. Was that all play calling, or was there something else there? Let me, let me, let me explain to you. Play calling, if, if, you're, if you're allowing, I think, if you're, if you're allowing your quarterback, if you're micromanaging your quarterback, I don't think you're a very good coach. If you're allowing your quarterback to have, so I don't care if he's a sophomore. If he's not, if I can't try, if he's a true freshman, if I don't trust my quarterback enough to turn the game over to him once I've called the play, meaning give him the freedom to audibleize, meaning give him the freedom to be a full field quarterback, then I don't believe I'm worth my I don't believe I'm worth a hoot as a football coach. I just don't. I believe that you've got to trust him. That's why you recruited him and that's why your butt's playing him. Okay? And we, even though you may not like your role, when you know your role, you're a better football player. Kessler no, he he knew his role yesterday. I'm the starting quarterback, I'm gonna go out and take care of my business and cut it loose. Result turned out pretty good, and then they get some big plays, you get to hand the football off, things go. You know, when it comes off the bench, get just two for two, but they know their role now. That doesn't mean they're going to be content with it. You're not content with being a backup. You're not content with just 17 throws. You want Lane to trust in you more. That being said, uh, play calling matters, getting into a rhythm, and that means the quarterback and the coach being on the same page. But you know what? I got the football in my hand. Well, I think, uh, to, to me, the play calling and X's and O's isn't the, isn't the thing. It's being aggressive. And you got to, there's only so much you can do with 11 guys on both sides of the ball. If you can give my quarterback, give him an opportunity to change plays and not micromanage every damn move he makes and allow him to go out there and freewheel and play, quarterbacks are always better. So, while play calling, yes, has to improve, and it's not just the, it's the aggressiveness of the play call. I still, if I'm Lane Kiffin or any coach, put the power in his hands. I recruited the guy, let me put the power in his hands. I don't want to hear the excuse, well, he's not a senior and a veteran. He's been around, he, he understands defenses. If he doesn't, then he shouldn't play. And then you just to cut him loose. Let him change plays in the line of scrimmage. If a run's not there, audibleize to a pass. And watch the transformation. We don't put enough on quarterbacks at that level. We protect him and baby him. Cut him loose. He's playing the Pac-12. He's a USC. Cut him loose and allow him to attack as well. And then he starts to have the believability that coaches and players believe in him. Then it'll be better. And it's all about rhythm and all about getting to that motion. Any guy can make one call or one series of calls in one Saturday. But then you do it and sustain it play after play, game after game, week after week. And that's the challenge SC faces right now. And for Lane to relinquish some of this, I've got to keep a tight rein on everybody and let the coaches do their job and let the players do their job and things turn out a little bit better. I, I, I don't like micromanaging coach. I like coaches that are on top of everything, but I like coaches that allow their quarterback and their coordinators to do their job instead of worrying about every single thing they do. That's why they get paid. Well, Lane, uh, you meant good points there, but Lane had, was in a tough spot, I think, because the way he opened it up and, and he said after the game that it was Max Nikias that called that deep ball, and, and it was a big ovation 
just when he threw a deep ball down the field. It was incomplete, but they were excited. Yes. The fans were excited. They wanted to see that. He was in a tough spot because he was throwing all these bubble screens. There was, if you, we did a passing chart you know, on the on the website, and you could see that the, really there was one or two balls over the middle, uh, nothing really down the field. It, he very he limited where. Cody Kessler was allowed to throw the football. It seemed, at least from from watching it, the ball didn't go there. Maybe it was Cody Kessler not deciding to, but it seemed like the plays weren't called to do that. Now then, when he does that, it opens it up, and the offense does a lot better. It, it kind of puts him in a weird spot, like, well, why didn't you just do that last week? Why did you keep this so limited? So it seemed like he kind of put himself in a tough spot. Even though the offense did well, it makes him look worse, I think, from what he did against Washington State. Yeah, and, and, and look at the results. I mean, for me... As a defensive player, I, I try to play the quarterback position and coach the offense from a defensive standpoint. How would I attack me? And they, they, to, to me, it's inexcusable. To, if my quarterback can't throw anything but bubble screens and smoke screens and hitch routes and curl routes, as a defense, I'll just squeeze you. Eventually, and then when you finally do give him a chance to throw the ball down the field, the timing's so off, he can't complete the ball because he's, he's, he's gripping the ball too tight. You couldn't drive a, you couldn't take a sledgehammer and drive a nail through his rear end because he's uptight about making a mistake. That goes back to having two instead of one. What? Hey, throw an incompletion, look over the side, and ooh, is Whitick going to come in? Oh, throw an incompletion, is Kessler going to come in? That, that's not football. It's not the way you play. You let a guy work through it. You let a guy work through an interception, and you come back and you challenge again. And all it does when you got Marquise Lee and you got players and the speed that he always has is you vertically attack, and then you can horizontally make any play you want. When you're only a horizontal football team, that becomes really difficult to change it into to, to, to a vertical attack team. So while I understand if you don't trust your quarterback, you shouldn't play him. It's USC. This is a this isn't sixth grade slickery Pennsylvania. So <laughs> you allow this kid to attack, you get into a rhythm, and most of your completions in football are going to about eighty percent of them will, will be between zero and twelve yards. Now run after the catch and all that, but most of your football and your hay is made there. That being said, the way you make hay there is by attacking, even if it's three incompletions down the field. You can't help but back off subconsciously and saying, ooh, they're in aggressive mode. And that doesn't mean you don't be aggressive with horizontal, but attacking and moving and screens and pick routes and crossing routes against man. But you have got to let a quarterback evolve into that. Yeah, is he Peyton Manning now? No. Is he Johnny Manziel now? No. But neither was Johnny Manziel as a, as a redshirt freshman until Kevin Summon said, screw this. Cut him <laughs> loose. Cut him loose. No, great points there. Yeah, he's a redshirt freshman, won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, these two guys are redshirt sophomores, been around the program three years. Um, I, what, one last thing before I let you go, Sean. The uh, I've done a lot of radio stuff, and people were saying, and a lot of fans would write in, and they haven't seen these guys. And they say, well, they, they saw Wittick last year for a couple games, and they basically thought both quarterbacks couldn't play. There was a lot of talk about, well, you should bring in Max Brown. And to me, it didn't look like this was something on the quarterbacks. Now, maybe Cody Kessler wasn't playing up to his potential. Uh, now he's the man, like you mentioned, and, and all that. But it seemed like it was like the, the playbook and what Lane was doing was kind of limiting what these guys were doing. From what no you've doubt. seen from one week to the next, is, is, does is Cody Kessler look like a guy that can win a lot of games at USC? I believe so. I, when, he, when they recruited him and what we've heard about him and everything, I know I've never been able to watch him for a full, you know, nobody has, but watching him camp every day because it wasn't there every day. But watching him, I think it's there. I mean, I think he's got a good arm and he's got size, but in order for, and you're right, you can't, the limitation, you can't put an umbrella on your quarterbacks. You just can't if you're lame. And then we can say, I mean, I like lame. He's a smart football guy. But you can call like you want it. Lane wants to control everything. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> he, he, he's going to do it his way or it's not going to work. And unfortunately, 
sometimes quarterbacks may not be great practice players or good game players, and vice versa. If they're both in the best of all worlds, but he has got to understand if he continues to evolve as a coach, if he wants to continue to evolve as a coach in a big time program, that you must allow these guys to, to play. And uh, yeah, I do. I think Kessler can step his game up now. You know, Max is a highly recruited guy waiting his turn. I don't think Wittick should sit over there and pout. I mean, the opportunity will present itself at some point again. But yes, I do. I think the guy can play. And you know what? Anybody who says they didn't think he can play is, is, is wrong because we haven't seen enough of the guy. We have not seen enough of Kessler to say, oh, man, even after a 15 and 17 game, the guy's not good enough. Really? Come see me in five weeks. People were saying that about this Mettenberger guy at LSU last year because he wasn't very good. Well, now scouts are starting to say, ooh, moves well, control the football. It takes time to play, but the only way you gain experience, everybody was a beginner at some point. And so in order to be a, in order to, in order to have yourself ready to play against Notre Dame on the 19th or play against whoever they play along the year, the Stanford's, the UCLA's, you have got to find a way to get him ready. And the only way you get him ready is by playing the Boston Colleges and cut him loose. And 17 throws won't be enough in the end, but as long as he can never, Lane should never, ever tell him, just go out and be a game manager. That's the, that's the biggest slap in the face you can ever put on a quarterback. Tell on the quarterback he's a game manager. I don't care if he's a freshman or a fifth-year senior. No quarterback wants to hear that. All that is is negative. That's it. That's negative umbrella he's putting on a quarterback. You tell Kessler to go out and win games. If you're a quarterback at USC, you go out and win games. You actually, I don't want you just to be a guy. Go be that guy. And that guy is the guy who takes people and makes them better around him and grabs people around the throat, not literally, but makes things, and changes things and gains that respect by performing and doing it. And that's how you find out if you've got a quarterback that's got guts and moxie and is going to grow. You don't find out by protecting him. And, and, and look what happened with Sanchez. Mark with the Jets, they protected him for two years, and guess what happened? When they finally started to cut him loose, they weren't ready to cut him loose. And now, look, Mark's not going to get his job back. So you've got to cut him loose. You want aggressiveness? Coach has to take the reins off and let this quarterback be a quarterback. And let's see. And if he can't, he leaves his glove on the mound, put the next guy in. It's real simple. I'm not in the feel-good business. <laughs> I'm in the business of winning games. And the business of winning games is finding out what kind of guts my quarterback has. And this is a good start for him. That is, that's why you are Sean Unfiltered on Twitter. I love it, Sean. Thank you, thank you so much for coming on our very first Armchair Quarterback Podcast. A little idea I came up with. And I really uh, appreciate you coming on and agreeing to talk about some USC football. Thanks again. Anytime, Ryan. I appreciate you, bud. We'll talk plenty in the future. Thanks, man. All right. Sounds good. Sean Unfiltered on Twitter. That's Sean Salisbury. We're going to be back in 30 seconds talking with another former USC quarterback, Shane Foley. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. We are back here on the Armchair Quarterback, our first ever Armchair Quarterback podcast. And as promised, we have former USC quarterback Shane Foley. He played back at USC in 89 and 90. You can actually follow him on Twitter at Shane Foley underscore USC. That's Shane, F-O-L-E-Y 
underscore USC. He even has his own website, and you can read the Foley report every week, which is a fun read, at ShaneFoley.com. Pretty simple. A lot of stuff on Shane Foley there. What's going on, Shane? How you doing, bud? Hey, Ryan. Great to be back. Great to talk to you, and uh, thanks for getting this armchair quarterback going. Yeah, I thought it would be kind of fun. So we got, uh, you know, Sean Salisbury. I, I went on the radio show with him, and I was like, you know, this would be a good idea. We get to talk a lot. We wanted to do some different things. So I thought this would be kind of a fun idea to to do that. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts on what's going on with USC. Obviously, it's a, a pretty different game if you look at the Washington State game and the Boston College game. It almost looked, it looked like two different offenses, really. <laughs> a tale of two cities, Ryan. I'll tell you, it was night and day about as, uh, about as dissimilar as you can get. Taking a look at that night game at Washington State, certainly, uh, you know, talking about the quarterbacks and, you know, having both of them, it's a different dynamic, obviously, when you know as a quarterback that you've got another guy that's going to be coming in and you're on stage and you have to perform. But I think really the primary difference that I'd look at between the two is just really the play calling. You know, obviously that was much talked about during the week. I know you covered a lot of it as well. But, you know, there just seemed to be a real conservative approach uh, for maybe a number of reasons, I don't know. But it just seemed like it was a, a very much lockdown uh, offense that they had, and certainly the defense, the way that they've been playing, I think that uh, Coach Kiffin gave a lot of credence probably to the way the defense played, but it was really refreshing and nice to see them come come in and open it up on the first play, the play-action pass that just missed. Uh, clearly, the uh, the fans <laughs> reacted positively, as, as, as you know, but then just the rest of the day to get uh, Cody Kessler out of the pocket, you know, get him on the run, some of his improvisational uh, athletic ability that came out uh, was really uh, great to see. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, I mean, I think USC fans were happy just that, like you mentioned, cheering that incomplete pass. I think that Lane Kiffin knew all all he needed to know about that. Like, hey, throw the ball down the field. And even if you lose, I think the fans will be be happy about it. But, I, I, I mean, a lot of it, I think, had to do with, and, you know, we talked about this with Sean a little bit, you know, uh-huh. picking a guy and having the guy. You've had some pretty unique experiences when you were at USC with the the Todd Marinovich thing, and you were actually in that documentary that was on Todd Marinovich. Uh, what did you think about the mindset of what these guys were kind of going through through fall camp, even spring football, and the first couple weeks of the season? Well, yeah, there were some similarities. And played behind Rodney Pete for my first three years, 86, 87, 88. And then there were three of us, actually, myself, Marinovich, and Pat O'Hara. Pat and I came in the same time, very similar to Kessler and to Wittick. So, and then Max Brown, obviously, would be like a Marinovich, a guy that was heralded as an All-American and that kind of thing coming in behind us. That would probably be the difference is that Marinovich was in the mix, whereas Max Brown's redshirting this year. But, you know, it is a different deal. You know, obviously, I got uh, a lot of good playing time played as a junior uh, through the first touchdown pass against Ohio State uh, my junior year and then had some starts and had some opportunities to help the Trojans my senior year. So I can relate to it, and, and it is tough. You know, when you're battling out there and doing everything that you can do and preparing uh, to help the team win and, and keeping that mindset and having that mental toughness, there's really a lot that goes into it. And uh, clearly when you know that you're one of two guys and knowing that you're going to be there, you know, for a half um, – that could be, I'm sure, very tough to, you know, to be in that situation where you're saying, hey, look, I want to be the guy, I want to be the leader, but you know you're not ordained as the guy. It wasn't until halfway through, like, sixth, seventh game, 
uh, the Arizona State game where Smith called the team up and said, hey, Shane Foley's our guy. Marinovich is not going to Arizona. We were just coming off uh, to Arizona State. Uh, we were just coming off a home loss to Arizona, and that was the year in 1990 where we kind of were passing the torch to Washington after three straight Rose Bowl, Rose, uh, three straight Rose Bowl games. So that that felt completely different. So when I was given the uh, the reins to really be the guy and be the leader, it was a, a much different feeling going into that week and guys rallying around you. And certainly I'm sure that's what Cody Kessler felt this week, really uh, having kind of a monkey off his back in some ways and being the guy. It was, it, it was interesting to hear Cody Kessler speak because he was saying that it, it really helped him this past week of practice to be the guy like you had mentioned. Yeah. He didn't want to – to take shots at Lane saying, hey, it would have really helped if you named me the guy a couple weeks ago. But is there a difference when you're trying to win the game versus trying to win the job? Well, it's a good question, Ryan, and I think it, I think it is because, you know, and that was one of the tough things for me as a former quarterback and somebody that obviously stays close to college football, specifically USC, where both of these guys have been in the system for three years. You know, they're Richard sophomores. They've been around. Whittick had a couple of starts last year. He's seen these guys scrimmage. So that was, I think, what was perplexing not only for me but for a number of people out there. You know, even if they were even, they're such different styles. You know their leadership. You know their ability and capabilities, uh, you know, what they're doing. That was one of the things that was a little bit, uh, you know, hard to understand. But it is different. You know, when you're competing and battling, you're going out there every day, at least I did, just saying, hey, I'm going to get her, give it everything I've got. I'm going to lead, you know, bring my ability and, and my leadership to the game and, and my approach. Everybody leads with a different style. And, uh, you know, I think that competition, when you get into – uh, when you get into games and you're, you're turning that attention to uh, the opponent, you're doing whatever you can really to help uh, your team win the game. And for me, it was a little bit different, Ryan, because, you know, obviously Murnovich really was that guy and was, was, uh, had the reins and, and was, you know, given the opportunity to be that guy. And so I was always the guy kind of battling and helping prepare, uh, the team until, you know, halfway through my senior year when I did get, you know, two starts in a row and, and played a lot and was very involved. But my mind, Mindset in that situation was, hey, just be ready. Be ready to go. You never know when you're going to have an opportunity. Bring the best you can in every practice and every game and uh, just try to compete and help the team win. Um, so, okay, so say you're just a, a regular USC fan that doesn't get to watch a lot, you know, don't know as much about football, don't get to watch a lot. I mean, I've been through all these practices, all these offseason workouts. I've seen Cody Kessler, Max Wittick, Max Brown. I know those guys can play. But this past week, yeah. I felt I had to defend these guys a little bit on <laughs> on the site and on the radio, but people were saying, oh, these guys are terrible. The quarterbacks are awful. Like the, the, they felt that the offense stunk because these quarterbacks were bad. And I was like, no, really, these guys can play. And we got to see it on Saturday a little bit. I mean, it's, to you, to see what happened in Washington State versus what happened in B.C., do you, do you think a lot of that was confidence? Do you think a lot of that was play calling? Or how did that ratio kind of work out as how different the passing offense looked from one week to the next? I really thought a lot of it was play calling because I know just in the scrimmages, I'm not down there every day like you are, but I've seen enough scrimmages and have been around enough practices uh, in the last couple of years that I know these guys can play. I know that Kessler completed close to 70% of his passes, 36 touchdowns to two picks. And I, granted, that's at a high school level, not at a collegiate level, but you don't just fall apart you know, when you go from, uh, from high school to college. And it is a different game with different speed and, and different uh, talent levels. But there is... I think that mental um, 
portion of the game. It's very, very important and, and really underestimated by a lot of people. You know, because if you don't have complete confidence in your coaches and you see that they have some doubt, they're not fully backing you or behind you, that does affect your game, and it can. And you have to be, again, I think the mental toughness is one of the major uh, pieces to being a great quarterback. You know, the leadership, the ability, clearly. But the mental toughness is, is a big portion of, of it as well. And so, yeah, I, I did read a lot of that. I know you had said, you know, on one of your Twitter feeds that, uh, you know, I, they can't actually throw the ball, you know, 50 yards. They can't actually do this and that and the other. It was almost comical. But, I, you know, in my, in my Foley report, I talked about it and just said, you know, these guys both have a lot of talent, both Wittick and Kessler, both very different styles. They can air it out. We saw Wittick in a game air it out against Notre Dame, so people have actually seen that uh, firsthand. But I knew Kessler could too. And, and so I think the percentage, if you will, that you're asking me about, uh, I would say a much bigger portion of it was the play calling, maybe 75, 80%. 20% of it clearly is confidence and maybe looking over your shoulder and, you know, not feeling like you're the guy. And that plays into it as well. But, uh, and because clearly they were off and not in the groove and not confident. So, you know, that, that did play into it. But I think a lot of that was created by, you know, not being, uh, ordained as the guy. Makes sense, Jane. Uh, and I, one of the other aspects of the passing game, uh, eight different receivers. Uh, caught the ball. I think the first six throws were to, to six different guys, and I know some of these plays. Some plays got called back from penalty. Um, they actually, you know, USC kind of w- would have certainly scored a lot more points, except they had 100 yards of penalties, 10 different penalties sure. there. But they spread it around. I mean, two different fullbacks caught balls, two different tight ends. Like we hadn't seen that at least before. I know there was only, uh, you know, Kessler only threw 17 passes in the game, but it seemed like when he did, it was a wide variety. They spread the ball around, and it seemed to just make everything work. Yeah, well, that's completely true. And, I mean, I've talked about it a lot in the Foley report. Uh, you really haven't seen the Trojan offense, even last year, really spread the ball around. And really, to me, you go back to 2011 when they really started having the, ex- the success that they did. You take a look at productivity and you take a look at everybody that was out there uh, – catching balls. You look at the box scores in, in most of those games, you see seven, eight, nine guys catching passes. And that year, I believe Robert Woods had 111 catches. Marquise Lee obviously came in late, you know, and, and made a big push up there at Oregon and, and finished with 73 balls and, you know, great yards after catch and all those kind, kind of stats. But you had, you know, Telfer and uh, Grimble both contribute with 41 catches and nine touchdowns that year. They're hitting the backs out of the backfield. So that was really what I've been a proponent of the whole time. You're running a balanced post-style offense. You've got to be able to run the ball, which they've made a commitment to doing. Clearly, Trey Madden's a big part of that, and uh, Justin Davis ran well last night. Offensive line, in my estimation, has been a work in progress. There's still some missed assignments. Uh, there's still some missed blocks, but uh, hopefully I think that's going to continue to improve. But I think spreading the ball around in a post-style offense is you've got to be able to do that. And I think the last year, I think we saw a real big push to get Marquise Lee the ball, really to the detriment, in my mind, of of the uh, productivity of the offense and of the team. When you get a guy that's that talented, when you have a guy that has his ability, it's incredible. I mean, certainly seeing what he did against Arizona, a number of different games, all the coaches in the Pac-12, you know, talk about him being the best best receiver, really one of the best of all time. Uh, David Shaw at Stanford said, hey, second to Randy Moss, he's the best receiver I've, I've ever seen. So you're having heavy, heavy praise from a lot of people. Talent isn't the question. You know, the question to me is, can you get the ball to other players 
and have a great offense because it's going to make Marquise Lee better. Maybe not have as many catches, maybe not repeat as a Blitnikoff winner, but if he's catching the ball, you know, he had two catches for 90, 90 yards yesterday. If he's catching seven, eight balls for 150, 180 yards a game, something like that, rather than, you know, 12, 15, 18 catches, but you're moving the ball, getting it to Aguilar, using your tight ends, both of them like you saw yesterday, you know, both fullbacks, you know, with Pinner and Vinuku getting catches, touches, they're going to be a better football team, Ryan. We know this. All right. And one last thing for you, Shane. You mentioned the running game. It can certainly be a quarterback's best friend. I mean, the tight end, some people say that. But I, I certainly when, you, you know, when you're running the ball, it seems to make things a lot easier on the quarterback. How, what did you think about how the, the running game's kind of developed and Trey Madden going out and uh, getting three straight 100-yard games, the first guy to do that since 81 when Marcus Allen did it? Yeah, it's a very, very positive statistic. I mean, obviously this guy was a linebacker. I saw him playing high school at Mission Viejo High School. Linebacker and played a lot of wildcat quarterback back in Mission Viejo as well. I'd be interested to see if they incorporate any type of a halfback pass as they get into Pac-12 competition and the competition goes up. But to answer your question about the running game, it's imperative, and they know it. They brought in Mike Summers to, to really kind of, I think, bolster this thing and really turn, turn the heat up on the running game. You've got to be able to run the football. It creates a toughness with your football team. Having a mean, tough, ornery offensive line that is basically knocking guys off the ball, picking up third downs. Third down conversion is the biggest down in football. Okay, turnover margin's huge. Both of those two, two statistics are very, very important. But you've got to be able to pick up third downs. And if you've got an offensive line that's knocking these guys off the ball, that has that attitude and that mentality that they're going to that they're going to drive block and run block and get it done it's uh, tremendously important and so to see Trey Madden have the success he did I liked what I saw early, you know, in the Hawaii game, both from he and Justin Davis, but I was very impressed in that Washington State game because they knew, that, you know, they had guys up in the box. They knew he was going to run. He got stronger as the game went on. Breaks, tackles, second effort, palm drills, heart, desire, uh, everything that you want to see uh, in a running back we've seen with him. And so clearly he had this fumble uh, that hurt us. He's going to have to really work on ball security. But uh, I do like also uh, some of the cutting ability and the vision that Justin Davis uh, had in yesterday's game. And I also uh, certainly like Buck Allen, too. I mean, what he did running over that linebacker down there on the uh, goal line in the Hawaii game, he's got good speed, as we know. So I think we've got an arsenal of guys. I mean, certainly a slasher like Silas Redman, he comes back. It'll be interesting to see what the uh, carry count is between uh, with him coming back and with Trey Madden. But I've been very impressed with Trey. He can, uh, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's very versatile. And, man, I tell you, I just I love the workhorse mentality when you're running harder in the fourth quarter than you are in the second. Yeah, he ended up having, uh, I think it was like three catches for 32 yards or something like that. For, so he was yeah. the second leading receiver on the team, so not too bad. And Justin Davis, man, it, just the way he was able to make guys miss and even run over guys as a true He's 17 years old, you know, and it's going to be tough. You mentioned Silas Red coming back. That you know, I think USC fans kind of like some of that slashing style he brought, but yeah. it's going to be hard for him to get some carries with the way these guys are playing. I agree with you, you know, but that's USC, you know, and that's what it needs to be really at any great institution. If you look at Alabama, if you look at the Southeastern powers, there's always guys coming in that are going to be contributing and playing. And uh, certainly Silas Red can't discount uh, what he's done and the leadership I think that he's providing for the, uh, in the locker room. And I think he'll know and, and, and certainly be able to share carries. you got Trey Madden at 220 pounds. He's a beast and runs through arm tackles and runs over guys and just keeps, you know, just keeps hammering away. 
And again, I mean, Justin Davis, the, the really the cutting that he sees, the footwork that he has, uh, the balance um, as a 17-year-old you know, freshman like you're talking about is very unique to see him uh, running the ball the way he is out there. So it's a good problem to have. Certainly, I, I think there's <laughs> other areas that we could be uh, more uh, concerned about. But, you know, you have to walk that uh, line as a coach to make sure that, uh, you know, these guys are feeling good about it. I mean, that's one of the things, you know, I, I know that one of the things that came up a lot was uh, post-game comments about Max Whitt coming into the game as early as it did and why didn't they let uh, uh, Kessler finish the game out. And, and so... I didn't really have a problem with it. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you want both of these guys to be involved and you want this guy to, uh, you know, to be engaged. And it's the same thing they're going to have to do with running backs. I mean, they've got to get, uh, you know, the, the guys that carries. But uh, certainly, Trey Madden, three 100-yard games in a row has been awesome. Yeah, certainly. And uh, it's great stuff, Shane. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I uh, just kind of came up with the idea. I know we've been working on stuff before. So this is great. It was fun. And I, it's, it's cool to talk to former USC quarterbacks to get when there's so much controversy going on with that quarterback position right now, just to get your guys' thoughts. And so you and Sean, it was, it was great stuff, and hopefully you can uh, do it again real soon. Love to do it. Thanks, right. Ryan, for having me on, and look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds good, Shane. So you can follow him on Twitter, at Shane Foley underscore USC, and you definitely got to check out ShaneFoley.com, his Foley report, lots of details in there about what's going on with the USC football program each, after each and every game. So good stuff there. Thanks again, Shane. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Talk to you soon. All right, and everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to our first ever Armchair Quarterback Podcast. You go to peristylepodcast.com for more information on all of our podcast shows and more information on USC football.